come to this retreat. And if you can, I will take the time. I will make the time. Thank Even if I have to give, give only one conference in the day and the rest of the time I'm, I'm absolving these people, and I, will, mm-hmm. I promise I will do everything I can to uh, hear their confessions and to bring them as close as I can to Christ. Welcome to Stories from the Street. I'm Brian. And I'm Beth. And today we have Father Ben Lukey, who's going to be our retreat master for our call to communion retreat at the end of June. It's going to be June 22nd through the 24th. And we're bringing him on to discuss a little bit about himself and what he's going to cover on retreat. You don't want to miss this. I'm so excited about this retreat, Brian. When, um, whenever I get to go to retreat, it's always a great thing. How about you? Do you like retreats? Oh, Beth, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I love it. I love retreats and I don't love retreats. Oh, yeah? Why? I, do. I love retreats because I am able to feel like I'm finally, well, I don't want to say finally in communion with the Lord, but I'm able to enter in a deeper state of I guess, communion with the Lord. I, I'm really able to just stop and recognize his presence. But a lot of times that means I also, normally God reveals stuff in my life that needs purified or that he wants mm. me to invite him into. And that's when I don't like retreats. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's what quiet does. It's true. And I don't, I guess I'm only speaking from my eight day silent Ignatius retreats where I'm really, you know, diving in pretty deep, but for the most part, it is extremely joyful and just refreshing to step away and just be with the Lord, even especially for a weekend. It is so good. Yeah, it is nice. I struggle with retreats. I mean, I love going, but I struggle because it's hard for me to turn off all the things going on in my head. It's yes. really hard to like not think about my kids, my house, my family, my other whatever's going on. Um, so the one, so that that's my my most difficult thing. My last time I went away for a retreat, um, my daughter went into labor during the retreat. Oh so. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard to it was really hard to be quiet and calm. Um, that was during but, the healing and evangelization, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But uh, you know, it, but it is so good to get away and just just pause the everyday life, pause all the craziness, give yourself permission to be quiet with the Lord, and that's what I'm looking forward to in this one. Do you, you mentioned that you struggle. Is it because you feel pressure that you need to have this deep communion and you're thinking about all these things back home and you're just like, oh, I can't be thinking about these. I need to be communion <laughs> with the Lord right now. Sometimes I just, I just have a hard time settling. I have a hard time settling. Um, so I just don't have that discipline like I should. So, I do as well. Yeah. I mean, that just comes to my everyday prayer, which is why I need a whole weekend retreat to be able to do it. <laughs> And I just, I just thank the Lord whenever I do go to him, the daily prayer and all these things are coming to my mind about what I need to do that day mm-hmm. and the things, these little daily obligations. And I bring that to him. I'm like, I just trust that that's enough, but I want something deeper. And I think that's why I'm excited about an entire weekend retreat is sure. There might be a little bit of that at the beginning, but there is time. There yeah. is time to be able to, uh, once I can put those to rest to just be able to sit with the Lord and. Um, especially uh, with a retreat like this that we have coming up that we're inviting people to our call the communion retreat to have communion, not only with the Lord, but with all our evangelists. God, I am so I'm excited, excited about that. Them. I am so, so excited for that. 
And we have yeah. such incredible people in this apostolate, incredible evangelists. Oh my gosh. Leaders. It's going to be so good just to have everyone in one room. <laughs> I, I kind of want to, during our, fe- our fellowship on Friday night, we're going to have just a quick fellowship and meet everybody. I kind of want to like pass the microphone around and have everyone give me one good reason and just <laughs> let's hear everybody's one good reasons. Uh, you know, because we all struggle with uh, the different things that come when we're evangelizing, the different, the beauty of, of our encounters and sometimes the difficult ones and just to be able to kind of share that with each other and, uh, you know, share our zeal for souls. It's going to be great. It is. And so I uh, just going along with that, what's going to be great is all of us together, but we also have an incredible retreat master and yes. I would be able to bring him on today that he's with us to help gain some excitement some traction for some people who may be on the fence or not about whether this retreat is something that is worth coming to. We have father Ben Lukey who has spent a lot of time, who was ordained by Pope St. Saint, Saint John Paul II, and who has spent a lot of time with St. Mother Teresa. He was her driver over there in Rome. So we're just going to ask him some questions about that and for him to be able to just give, introduce himself and what he's going to talk about on the retreat. So let's go ahead and bring him on. Father, we just wanted to do a podcast. So this isn't live, but we're just going to be on. And we wanted to ask you a few questions about yourself to get people excited about a retreat that you're going to be directing for us at the end of, of June. You really think that the hearing about me, they're going to get excited? Oh, they're going to be very excited. Yeah. <laughs> Look uh, at that. She's already I excited. hope your delusion doesn't destroy you, but God bless you. <laughs> well, I'll give you uh, what I was taught at the Angelicum in Rome. Uh, that a priest, myself, is a sinner chosen from among sinners to help sinners. So that's, that's the complete definition of who I am. But if you want to know anything more about me, for example, you said uh, I, was, I knew Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Um, she was my spiritual sister. Um, Holy Father, Pope, uh, St. Pope John Paul II, ordained me, and I performed for him at the Vatican. Um, actually, I performed for him at the Angelicum, which was the university, uh, the papal university in Rome. And I got to know him very well. And same with Mother Teresa. I used to drive her around Rome because wow. I was the only American that had um, a, um, a driver's license for Europe. And if you've <laughs> ever you driven that? a car, well, I just, I applied for it before I came to Italy. And <laughs> it was a good thing because so many of the people who drive in Italy give you whiplash. <laughs> slamming on their brakes and and mother's such a fragile little thing you know she's about <laughs> maybe four foot something you know and so she'd go flying out of the seat you know with these other guys so they had me driving her so I was doing a lot of the driving which was wonderful because it gave me a lot of time that I could ask her questions I could talk with her we got to know each other quite well to a certain extent what a blessing what a blessing that would be that is well yeah it doesn't make me holier though it doesn't. Um, no, not even slightly. I, in fact, it just makes me more responsible. I have, to, I have more of an obligation, which is a burden, but that's okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any interesting stories that you had, just you and mother, uh, you know, talking together? I think that's, that's such, an, uh, such a precious time to be able to do that. Well, there was one time I, I remember when I asked her, uh, I was driving her around Rome, and I, and I asked her, I said, Mother, what is it that you – used to determine whether a woman should enter into your community or not, because I was driving her from her novitiate uh, and they called them come seas. 
That's what she used to call them. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they would come, and I was imagining that she would say, I want, oh, I, they have to be prayerful. They have to love the poor. They have to be obedient. They have to, you know, all these different things. That was going through my mind. Yeah, yeah. That I was just normal. interested in finding what she looked for in a nun. And what she said actually surprised me. And then it didn't because it made so much sense. She said, in order, the, 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 what I use to determine whether a woman will stay with us is that one thing, she has to be able to laugh. Mm. And I said, <laughs> laugh. And she said, yes, if she has no joy, if she takes things too seriously, she said that this life would destroy her. And so if she does, and that's true, because every time I go over to their sister's houses, that's all they would do is giggle during all the lunches. and <laughs> They'd be giggling and smiling all the time. And so it was true. And I actually saw that before um, she even said that. And it made perfect sense when she said they have to be able to laugh. That's beautiful. That's been my experience too. Um, We have a number of their nuns up here in the Detroit area that I've worked with and they are joyful. Absolutely. They are joyful. Yeah. They, they laugh all the time. I mean, even when the sister would come to the seminary in Rome, they would all eat whatever the, the poor would refuse. And so they never eat until everyone else has eaten first. And then only what was rejected will the sisters eat. They wow. have no, they have no radios, no television, no entertainment. They don't even have an answering machine. They just take the phone off the hook and let it beep, you know, so that when they're busy, so that nobody can call them. But otherwise, when they put the, you know, the receiver back on, that they answer the phone. They have no, no communication, you know, artificial communication. It's all one on one, and it's a very, very personal thing that they do. And they're very poor. They have, um, you know, you know those old buckets that they used to have years ago, the metal ones with the metal handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, each sister is a, is a, when she becomes a missionary of charity receives one of those buckets, and that bucket is her suitcase, it is her bathtub, and it is the washing machine for her sari, and that's what they travel with. It's the only thing they actually have all their lives because every night they they wash their they they sleep in their sari. And they, what they do is they wash the, the sari that they had all day or that they, or they, they, they have to wash one of the saris. And in the morning when they get up, they put on the clean one and they wash the one that, was, that they slept in. And then they hang that up. So the following morning, when they wa- after they wash the other one, they mm-hmm. have that one. Another thing that I found out, which was an interesting little tidbit, was um, I always wondered, everybody tried to give why there were three blue stripes on their sari. And so many people were saying stuff like, oh, it's an honor of the Trinity, it's Mary and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all this. When I asked her, I was stunned with that one too. <laughs> and I said, why is it that you have the blue stripes on your habit? And she said, the end of the bolt. <laughs> that was it. Um, in India, they get these gigantic bolts of linen. And what they do is they print them all the of you seen the Indian prints are beautiful. Yeah. And what happens is they, at the end of the bolt, they put these blue stripes so that you could stop the machines and you could cut that off and throw that away and add a new bolt wow. uh, with, and, and the only way you knew it was the end of the bolt was the blue stripes and they would throw that away. And so mother said, could just give us the end of the bolt. And so what it was a wide, wide sloth of, of material. So what she would do is she cut it down the middle and you would have a sari 
And I don't know how many feet is the sari, but uh, it was just because it was the end of the bolt, not because of any mystical sign or trinity or anything like that. And so it was, everything is so much pra more practical with her. It was always, you know, and she, and that's one thing that I amazed me about her and same with John Paul was that they were so normal. They weren't odd or weirdos, you know, always posing for holy pictures. In fact, mother refused pictures for many, many years. And I was working with her so often that I had found out that there's this thing you can do with the holy souls where you make this deal with God. And uh, so I said, mother, I said, you know, because she'd always put her hand in front of her, you know, like there's no, no pictures. And finally, I said, mother, do you know that you can make a deal with God that for every picture you allow to be taken, God has to release a soul from purgatory. And she said, really? And I said, yes. From that day on, she never refused another picture. Ah. Never, never refused it. So we have you to thank for that, huh? Well, I don't know if I, I think the person who told me about it, you have to thank, not me. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. And from then on, you see, that's why you see her as a very young nun or old. Because yeah. only until she found that out, she wouldn't allow any, she wouldn't allow any pictures. It was kind and, of a, a penance for her because she didn't. Oh, absolutely. It was, she hated pictures. She hated them with a passion. She couldn't stand them. And I, I watched her for quite a long time. You know, just mm. refusing any photographs. And then I, when I mentioned that, because I thought to myself, this woman is going to be a saint. And we need pictures of saints. Yes. And so by telling her that she could get a soul out of purgatory. Now, I don't know who told me that. I don't remember. And I hope it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Well, if it's a penance, there's always merit to penance. So. Exactly. And why yeah. shouldn't you? You know, and, and I, I usually tell that to a lot of people who are addicted to sin. Because it's, it's difficult to stop a sin that you enjoy for yourself. But right. if you bring somebody else into the equation, it becomes a little bit easier. You're doing it for someone else to release a soul from purgatory. I know someone, for example, who suffered with anorexia or bulimia. And um, he suffered for 40-some years. Wow. And, and I told him about that. And the doctors thought he was going to die. They said, he's going to die. He's been doing this so too long. We've tried aversion therapy, every kind of therapy possible. And I told him the same thing. And I says, you could, if you stop this completely, don't ever do it. If you, if for, at the end of every day, God will release a soul from purgatory. He's on almost 2,000 souls right now. Wow. And they thought he would be dead by now. So there is this the, the, an ability to utilize these magnificent gifts of our faith in a practical way, you know, we're going to have this retreat and every single thing that I'm going to talk about it is in perfect harmony with common sense and reason. Otherwise the church can't teach it. And everything is about love, but a honest love, a good love, a, a love that was defined by Christ. And we're going to see that in the retreat, but yeah, it's going to be, um, it'll be a very nice experience. I believe, I hope. Oh yes, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, the retreat center there is beautiful. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. I, I give eight-day retreats here twice a year, and then other retreats or days of recollection as well on, in different places. And I give uh, also um, missions, parish missions. Mm -hmm. And I, I basically give everything I give is the exercise of St. Ignatius because it's, it's a universal spirituality. So it can fit the, the Franciscans, the diocesans, the Dominicans, the uh, Jesuits, whatever it is. It, can, it, it works for all of them. Yeah, Father, you've been doing retreats for some time. What is it about retreats that you generally enjoy? It's, it's, you look at, we're living in a day and age where 
most people have stopped going to confession. Our churches are empty. And uh, we need uh, a revival. We, read, we need to, to do something that's going to bring these people back. When I was ordained uh, by the Holy Father, uh, I decided I was going to go out in the front of the church and I was going to look at St. Peter's uh, uh, this piazza through the eyes of a priest. And so I did. I went and I, and I stood outside and I started looking around and everybody went to their parties. And a man came up to me and he said, Father, were you just ordained? I said, yes. Would you like the plenary indulgence blessing? He said, no. And I said, oh, okay, well, what can I do for you? <laughs> and he said, I want you to hear my confession. Well, the Holy Father, after I was ordained, everyone came up and greeted the Pope. I came up and you're supposed to just put your hands over his because he had them on his lap his arms and you mm-hmm. put your hands on the, on his arms and you bow. Well, I was watching everybody making sure I was going to do it right. I got up there and knelt down and I lifted up my head and I went like this and were, his hands were gone. They weren't there. And I thought, Oh great. I messed this up already. I was just, sort of <laughs> well, I looked up to see what I did wrong. And he was like this, Bernardo. And he hugged me. And, wow. he said, and the one thing I remember was he said, reconcile my people. My and um, I went, and when that guy came up there, I heard his confession. And when he was done, unbeknownst to me, a, a, a line had formed of about 150 people. And because there were no confessions on that Sunday, it was, uh, it was the feast of the Holy Trinity and that we had ordination, so there was nobody hearing confessions. And so I stood there all day until about 9 o'clock at night, from about 1 o'clock till 9 o'clock, and heard every one of their confessions. The first day of my priesthood. Right on the steps, right outside right the, the door. Step, right on the steps. On, when you're looking at the Vatican. The yes, right. I stood there for all. And then I actually, if you look at the pillars, there's a little platform underneath you can sit on. So eventually, I think I sat down for a little bit. But wow. um, I realized then that we have a problem in the church. And the problem is confession. And most of these people hadn't been to confession in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Wow. And so I made it my, my, I guess, apostolate to formulate a retreat that I could take someone through in about five to eight minutes, and I would tell them the sins, and all they would have to do is give one of five words for a response, often, on occasion, seldom, rarely, never. And I always tell them, don't give me information. I don't want too much information because, personally, I don't want their junk floating around in my head. So just <laughs> give me the five words, you know. And if you're, you know, if you wonder, eh, round up, you know, but those five words are important. And then they return to their baptismal innocence. And I found that every parish I go to, well, well up to 80%, if not more, haven't been to confession, even though they're outstanding members of the, of the parish. Most of them haven't been to confession since they were young. And so it's really something that when I give a mission or even a retreat, I think that life confession is probably one of the most important elements of anything that I do, along with the time and eternity talk, which is the first talk that I always give. Um, it, and, it, and it just explains why we have Christ on the cross, why, why we have a theology of suffering and nobody else does, why every other Christian denomination celebrates the Last Supper. We do not. We celebrate the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. Why is it that um, St. Paul said, I make up in my body the sufferings lacking that of Christ. Why is it that John, no, St. John, yeah, St. John says only once 
believe in Jesus Christ. Every other time he says, believe into Jesus Christ. Why that word into? And I explain all of that. That's interesting because our, you know, our retreat, it's called called the communion. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talk about our communion with the Lord, communion yeah. with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then our communion with each other also. Mm-hmm. And then as evangelists, our communion with everybody. Yeah. And uh, Father, just out of curiosity, how is it that you got involved with St. Paul Street evangelization? Uh, when I was in uh, Detroit, uh, I, they asked me, uh, Steve asked me to uh, give a talk to okay. them. It was, uh, it was uh, uh, I guess uh, they were having a, like a, at our campaign, gala. a campaign, you know, to get funds yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and I had heard about them and, and so the gala and, and they invited me and, you know, I, I fell in love with the movement of the group. And um, so for me, it was a joy to be able to talk to them because they really are doing a magnificent thing, especially in this day and age. We need that. We need people to understand where we're coming from, what the church teaches. And they do it in such a way that, that it, in, in, in it, um, it invites people. It doesn't beat them over the head, you know? Right. It invites right. them. Well, you want to know what the church teaches about this? You don't want to know a thing about the rosary. And that is a very beautiful approach because it's the approach of our beloved Holy Father, Pope Francis. It was the ap- approach of St. John Paul, of Mother Teresa. She never beat anybody over the head to be baptized. They, it was, came from them. And mm-hmm. even philosophers, the old, old ancient philosophers, you know, Aristotle, Plato, people like that, they insisted that you make the knowledge your own and not just monkey it back. Mm-hmm. So they never gave you the answers. They made you find it on your own so it would be yours. And if, when a person asks to learn something, they are much more disposed to hear the answer. And that's what the street evangelization does. They, they let people come up to them. And that means there's a curiosity already, which is a beautiful thing because everyone has a right to an answer. They have a right to answer to an answer to every question they've got, and we as Catholics better give them a good answer that is in perfect harmony with common sense and reason. Otherwise, we can't teach it. And right. so, you know, everyone has a right. So I always tell people, even during a retreat, write down any question you got. I'm not afraid of anything because everything has purpose and reason and is in harmony with common sense. What you said reminds me of a quote from Saint Mother Teresa about how our faith needs to be all the way down into our bones. I love that quote. Mm. Have you heard that one before about saying? Oh yeah, the- yeah. She's, uh, there was uh, she's because she was so natural, so down to earth, you know. And she was the most normal person I'd ever met. And really, when you stop to think of it, that's what holiness has to be—normality. Um, when you take, for example, um, uh, Jesus Himself, why after slaughtering after 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 I mean not slaughtering after I mean they slaughtered him, but what did he do? He fed thousands of people. He raised the dead. He made the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak. He, made, he, he did all of these things for people, made lepers whole and clean. For which of these did they shall crucify him? For which one of those things? For none of those things. It was because he was normal. And that's the only reason why they hated him. Why did they hate Mother Teresa? Because she was so normal. What is the call of the saint? normality to be normal mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be jesus freaks running around saying jesus jesus just five thousand times a day that's the most annoying people you can meet it's, <laughs> it's having love and common sense and charity and kindness and and being the sweetness of christ that's exactly what we're supposed to do and that's yeah. exactly what the street evangelization does well, they present themselves as normal 
That's who's going to be coming to the retreat. Are, are the evangelists, the team leaders, the people that have been out, or the people that wish to be out and haven't, mm-hmm. haven't quite tried it yet. So we're welcoming all of those um, to the retreat. So it's a little bit different flavor in the sense that there's this zeal for souls in an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And um, not just, you know, like you talked about the um, uh, Mother Teresa and getting her pictures to get a soul back into, mm-hmm. into, uh, into heaven or out of purgatory. You know, that, that's the kind of people our, our evangelists are. I have one evangelist friend, and I'm like, well, why do you do this? And all he said was, I want everyone to go to heaven. There you go. It's you know? love. It's all about love. And the thing is, the, the most important aspect of love is the fact that God had to come and define it. Because nobody knows what it is. It's one of the only four-letter words that we have in the English language that nobody, everybody has a different view of it, a different understanding of love. Nobody's on the same page, but if you are Catholic, you do have the perfect definition of love. It is the definition that God gives us, and it's an unspoken definition with only one word involved, and that is the crucified. When you look at the Christ on the cross, that is the perfect definition of love, and it's spoken by the word himself, and he had to do this because otherwise we have no idea what love is. We'd have no idea what it costs. You see his feet are fixed, he'll never stray. His arms are open, he'll never push you away. His heart is open, he'll forgive over and over and over again, and he bears a crown of humility. If that's your idea of love, then go forward. If it's not, run as fast as you can in the other direction. (laughs) You will never. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I often use that that kind of an analogy on the street when I talk to people. I'll ask a teenager, so what do you think love is? And they'll kind of try to define it. And then I show them the St. Benedict crucifix. And I said, this is love. Exactly. That, and that's it. Only, because everybody, I had one guy say love is, oh, that, remember that movie, that stupid movie where they said, love is never having to say you're sorry. Shut up. <laughs> every, man that's, every man that's ever been married more than two weeks knows that when you come home from work, you say, honey, I'm home. I love you and I'm sorry because chances are you screwed something. <laughs> so that's not love. Some people say love is sharing. Well, my mother used to give me the donut and have me cut it in half. And then my sister took the half she wanted. I was sharing. Or was I in love maybe with the donut? I was a laser cut. You could have picked any half and it would have been the same. And a guy once even actually tell me, well, love is giving. Oh, really? Let's have a talk on April 16th. You're giving, but are you really in love? You know, uh, how about one guy came up to me and I always ask couples, define, describe your love for your fiance. I take him apart. And I actually had this guy look at me straight in the face and he said, Describe my love, Father? I said, yes, describe your love. Just calm down. Describe your love. He looks at me and he says, all I can say, Father, is that that she completes me. Uh-huh. <laughs> she completes you. I said, if you're not whole before you enter into this marriage, don't bring anybody else into that hell. <laughs> Nobody was created to complete you. Just like no one was created to make you happy. Happiness and misery are choices. Just like heaven and hell is a choice. You can't expect somebody to take on the responsibility to make you happy. No woman was ever created to make her husband happy, nor was every any husband created to make his wife happy. And heaven knows your kids weren't created to make you happy. Happiness <laughs> is a choice. That's up to you. That's up to the individual. And Christ gives us the means to being happy. He gives us the means to healing. And that means to healing is forgiveness. You know, and, and look at it. It makes sense. Everything the church teaches is in perfect harmony with common sense and reason. I can't say that enough. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the whole of the retreat 
is literally about that common sense and reason and the fact that every single thing the church teaches, regardless of what it is, precepts, commandments, whatever it is, is to move the soul of mankind to love. That's it. Love is the means and the end of everything that we preach and do. And I'm not talking about kissy face, sweetsy, cutesy <laughs> pie, gooey love. I, it just bothers me. It's the Christ on the cross. There love is, is suffering. Love Absolutely. is suffering. Yeah. Love is giving and suffering and for the other. Yeah. You know? And we don't like suffering. Who likes to suffer? I don't. But suffering actually purifies us. It, it makes us understand things so much easier I was in the hospital. I had a brain tumor a couple of years ago, and, and they didn't think they would get it. And then I got a brain infection, and I almost died from that. And there was a woman that kept coming into the room, and she was so joyful and so happy. And then all of a sudden, after about four or five days, she never showed up again. And so I asked the nurses, I said, where's that candy striper, that lady that, that cheers people up? He said, we don't have any candy striper. I said, where's that woman? You, know, you saw her. She was, she was here every day. She was here. Oh, she says, oh, Mary. Oh, yeah, she died. And I went, she died. Well, I didn't even know she was sick. Oh, yeah. She, was, she had terminal cancer, and she was in terrible agony. But she, came, she, wanted, she asked if she could spend the rest of her life lifting people up in the hospital. And that's exactly what she did. And she died doing it. How beautiful. What a beautiful soul. And isn't that incredible, isn't it? How beautiful God is in, in his creation, in his creatures. And it's just a magnificent thing when you're able to know somebody like that. And those are the people that we need to emulate. We need to, you know, to, to follow in their good example. And so I think that's what we have to learn through our faith. Well, Father Ben, thank you so much for just taking time to be with us today and to be able to talk about a little bit of prelude of what you're going to cover on a retreat um, in June with all our evangelists. And just thank you for, you know, supporting us in our work and being here and being present. And I, you're in the middle of a retreat right now, directing a retreat. So thank you for yeah. the time to come and talk oh, to Beth and my, I. <laughs> my privilege, believe me. It's anything I can do for you guys, I'm more than happy to do just it. Just let everybody know that it is going to be June 22nd through 24th. We're going to have Father Ben with us. It's going to be at the Mother Redeemer Retreat House over there in Bloomington, Indiana. We'll put a link on the podcast for you to be able to sign up. But just very, we would love to be able to have you to come be with Father Ben, come be with all our evangelists and uh, to be in communion with one another, to learn how to be in communion with the Lord as a church, as evangelists. So just yeah, and you know, another thing I think I would like you, anybody who wants to come, if you haven't been to confession in 10, 20, 30 years, come to this retreat. And the reason is because I offer a life confession. I can take you through your entire life from the time you were a child, no matter if it's 30 years, 50 years, 10 years, two years, I can take you through your entire life in under 10 minutes. Usually it takes wow. a couple hours to do that, you know? Yeah. And so what I do is I mention the, 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 the sin. They give the, one of those five words I told you about. And then they return to their baptismal innocence. So it is an opportunity to begin again, to return to your baptismal innocence and forget about your past. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. And that's exactly, he was talking about our past. And we woulda, shoulda, coulda, those are words that shouldn't exist in the Catholic vocabulary. <laughs> so come to this retreat. And if you can, I will take the time. I will make the time. Thank Even if I have to give, give only one conference in the day and the rest of the time I'm, I'm absolving these people and bringing them back to, to where they should be. I, will, I promise I will do everything I can to, to, to uh, hear their confessions and to bring them as close as I can to Christ. You know, 
Amen. Thank Father, you. we have a lot of faithful Catholics that are going to uh, oh, part yeah. of our apostolate, yeah. and I know they're all going to want to take advantage of just being able to go to confession with you, yeah. be reconciled yeah. with the Lord. Be well, a beautiful time him. of fellowship and um, yes. learning and praying, quiet time. I tell everyone, bring your walking shoes. The campus is beautiful. You want to be able yes. to walk around. Oh, yeah. You're going to be able to go up the mountain. It's a beautiful church up on top. You've got the Stations of the Cross, all the Stations of the Rosary, all, all you know, 20 yeah. mysteries. And also... We have some of, I think we have the best cook in Indiana. <laughs> it is great food. Great yeah. food. Yeah. I, know. I have to eat only one meal a day, although I've been fasting for like eight months, but I eat only one meal a day because, you know, that's temptation going there three times a day. So you end up, you'll end up gaining weight over here if you don't watch yourself. So Beth was talking about one good reason before. One good reason to come on this retreat. We have the best cook in Indiana. There you go. Yeah. And the, the people here are unbelievably beautiful. The place is magnificent. Uh, you know, the, the 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 grounds are incredible. The the the, the piety and the, the beauty of the faith of, of these people is uh, truly outstanding. It is a grace to have this here in Indiana, and it's a grace. It's a gift for me to be able to come and speak to the people that come here. It really is a very great blessing. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yes, thank you so much, Father. We'll let you get back to directing your retreat. Yeah, thanks so much. And we are St. Paul Street Evangelization, where we train, equip, and mobilize ordinary Catholics to do the extraordinary work of evangelization in order to save souls. Well, thank you for all you guys do. All right. God bless right, you. God Without bless you, we wouldn't do it much. All right. God love you. <laughs> all right. Take care. Dear Father. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> and Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen.